and welcome to the City of the Great King podcast. Welcome back with your host, Tyler Swatsky. That's me. Hello. You wouldn't have known this, but last week I actually did not record this an episode. I was away last week. Yeah, your boy took six days. I left the province, went to the province to the west of us. And I had recorded the week before two episodes, and I just post-dated the one to, to go up on the Tuesday. So it looked as though I did one, but I actually didn't. So for me, I haven't been in the Sawatsky studio in two weeks. That's a long time to be away from this magnificent studio. Uh, not only that, I'm pretty tired. Not gonna lie. Uh, six days away, they're on vacation, seeing family that I haven't seen in 12 years, and di- so didn't get the most sleep ever, and then the day I get back, it's 3 a.m. on Sunday morning. This past Sunday, 3 a.m., I walk into my house, and I have church uh, six hours later, so... <laughs> Yeah, I was there, and I, I was at Sunday school. No, you don't miss it. So I was there uh, at church the next day, and uh, the very next day, so Monday, which was just yesterday at the time of recording, started VBS at the church, and that is just go, 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 go. And there's lots of responsibilities attached to that, so I'm underslept and uh, just thrown right into a bunch of work which which i love I, I, I love that but i'm pretty tired not gonna lie however one of the things that the thing that we're going to be talking about today is some advice that i was given once and i'll talk i'll tell that story in a minute but it relates to the fact that i can be very tired right now and yet i'm still here in the studio and i'm I'm in front of this microphone and I'm recording and because it is a habit it is a habit is a good thing it it is a passion of mine I love doing this I enjoy it I think there is value in it I know that uh, several listeners have uh, given me their appreciation for this so it is a commitment of mine and being tired is not a good enough reason to not tend to your commitments And maybe commitments can be turned into a better word, which is responsibilities. I don't have to do a podcast, but I enjoy doing it and there's value in it. So it has become a responsibility of mine, not one that I want to slack off in doing. And being tired is not a good enough reason to not tend to your responsibilities. There are very few reasons that you should allow yourself to slack off. We do this with when we have diets. We give ourselves cheat days and all this. Uh, when it comes to a regular responsibility in life that you have to tend to, you don't get to have cheat days. Uh, not if you want to be responsible. Not if you want to be diligent. I remember when I was doing my studies a few years ago um, at the theological institution that I attended, they do this thing where for all incoming freshmen first years right before the semester starts you have a weekend camping trip and then some of the older students will 
come as well and help out and do what do what needs to be done. But I was asked to come to this uh, to come to this weekend camping trip before the semester started for this one group of freshmen. I don't remember what year I was, but certainly not first year. And so I was asked to go, I was invited to go and be on a panel. And we, everybody on this panel would give some advice and uh, take questions from the perspectives, from the students who are coming in. You know, like what type of things did you wish you knew when you started? Uh, just, just stuff like that. And when it was my turn to talk on the panel, I don't remember if it came from a question from an incoming student or if it was just during, you know, just, you know, advice time or whatever. But I gave probably some of the better advice that I've given in my life. And it was, I was telling these students that now that you're here and you're not in high school anymore, you are going to have the freedom to not attend classes. And you will be able to call your call in your own sick days you don't need a note from mom don't need a note from dad anymore you you take responsibility now for your time and now that you are here and nobody's babysitting your time my advice to you is no matter how tired you are how late of a night you had how stressed out you are you are present in class when it comes and that's not necessarily popular advice, but it is advice that can um, benefit you in a million different ways. But basically, no matter if you're staying up late, cramming to get an assignment done, and you're not getting much sleep, you go to class. You might not get everything, but you learn this uh, as life goes on, that being present is far more important than... Um, precision in everything being present is a big aspect of ministry even and these are theological students these are people who at least see themselves as going into the ministry so i gave that advice and it was well received and it's advice that i followed when i was in school even if i didn't want to go to class no i'm going even if i only pick up 10 percent of what's being taught you go and this is similar advice that I gave recently to somebody else who's who's in the ministry and they came up to me um you know just looking for to talk to somebody and I'm talking to them and I shared similar advice which is that um for me personally when I am at church and Sunday like our worship service is over I don't go to my office or I don't leave church right away or I don't hang out in a corner talking to just a few people. It is a value of mine that I am present to the congregation. I go out into our main lobby and I can be seen by everybody. I can be found by whoever wants to talk to me, whoever needs to catch up about a ministry of some kind or a, or a lecture or a sermon, whatever. It's just being present. And one thing I've learned is that doing that is far more important in ministry than, um, you know, me getting out of church 30 minutes sooner to have lunch quicker or whatever it is. Being present is incredibly important. And this is not just for ministry. Like I said, I already applied that in terms of education, but this is true in marriage as well. Uh, being present to your husband or to your wife's needs is an indicator of the health of a marriage. 
if each spouse is still attentive, uh, still present to the needs and desires of your partner and fulfilling your responsibilities to them. Now, I don't always give great advice. Those were a couple times where it, it worked out and it was good. But I remember a time last year when I needed advice and I was going through something and I went to visit an old boss of mine back before I was in the ministry. Uh, I got along great with the guy. And so I go over to his house and he's he was a great host. He welcomed me in. We hung out, talked for, I don't remember if it was an hour or two, but, and this isn't even a Christian guy. He was just there. He was present and I valued our friendship. And something that he told me really actually helped recenter me a little bit. And that was when he advised me that in all of the uh, chaos, I guess, of the situation and all the stress that it was producing, that one of the ways to get right on past it is to start doing hard things. That was what he called it, do hard things. And he was applying it in the sense of if there's a conversation that needs to be had and you're avoiding it, it's time to do hard things have the conversation, stop backing out. And it wasn't just about conversations to have, but in all sorts of different ways, that principle of do hard things was very timely advice for me. And there's a lot of different examples of doing hard things that is for our benefit. Um, to give a couple examples, let's think of a husband who promised his wife that he would fix something on the property. He'd fix something in the house or do something with the yard. And he's been putting it off for weeks, putting it off for months. It's time. That's an example of where you can start doing a hard thing. Start, just do it. It's time to just do the hard thing. Or the, the mom who ha, who is dreading cleaning out the three closets that are just stuffed with, with things and, that's when you get that principle in your head. Do hard things. I'm just going to tackle it. See, I'm tired, as I just, as I mentioned earlier, but the hard thing is actually not what I'm doing right now. Talking into this microphone, doing a podcast, that's not a hard thing. It's not hard to do this. If you have, <clears throat> that is the, if you have the skill set for it, if it's something that is part of your responsibilities, like the hard part is not this. The hard part is the battle to get started. And this is applicable in very many different fields and in very many different responsibilities. But the hard part is getting yourself to actually start. So when I'm preparing to do this weekly, there are two moments that are the most difficult moments to push through. Because once I actually have hit the record button, it's easy after that. But the, to the two hard parts is when I go from the one place in my house after work and all that, and I come to the, I, I go to the Sawatsky studio and I open up the notepad and start writing down my notes. That alone might be the hardest battle is just getting up, going to the place, starting the first step. That's the hard part. Once I'm actually in there and writing the notes and getting my thoughts organized, like then it's like, oh, that's it's not so bad. The hard part was just doing the first thing, 
getting up and going. And then the second hard part is I've got my notes down, I've got my thoughts mostly organized, and I have all the applications open that I need. I'm sitting in front of the microphone, and there's just one step left. Hit the record button. And that is the second battle. I got everything ready, but now it's go time. And so there, there comes that moment where, you know, I'll just stare at the record button for a few seconds. And it's like, I just got to press it. There's no being 100% ready. There's no perfect intro, perfect, uh, perfect points all throughout, perfect examples of everything, never stuttering over words. There's no such thing. You just, okay, I'm just going to hit it and trust the preparation that's there. Trust trust the process, trust everything that's there. And so the hard part is actually getting started. It's a, it's going to the closet that you haven't cleaned out. It's going to the hedges that you haven't cut yet. It's going to your child who you need to apologize to for losing your cool with them, losing your temper. Going to your spouse to ask for their forgiveness over something that you said or something that you did or didn't do. It's actually getting up and going. That's the hard part. And once you're started... Once you've begun the responsibility, the task, the hard thing, the conversation, the, the repenting, the whatever, you start feeling productive. You start feeling like this inner satisfaction that you are being productive, you're happy that you started. This happens every single time. You start getting into the closet and it's like, wow, I pushed this off for a very long time and it really wasn't that bad. I pushed off doing the lawn project that I said I was going to do. And it's once I actually got into it, it's really not that bad. The hard part was just getting started. The easy thing is to give in to the inner resistance. And that terminology is not unique to me. I first saw this terminology of inner resistance from Stephen Pressfield. He wrote a book called The War of Art. I happen to love that title. Of course, it's a play on of Sun Tzu's Art of War, but he titled his book The War of Art. And this book has been credited to cure writer's block for a lot of people because he just gets honest about, very upfront about how a lot of what goes into writing and art in general is just every day tending to the responsibility of doing it. Now that sounds incredibly, incredibly simple. But what that means is you get in front of your word processor, your notepad, and you just start typing. Once you start writing a sentence, you get into sentence number two, you will see that things start flowing. And for him, he would do four hour writing sessions before his mind could no longer be productive anymore. But if you're just staring at this word processor for 30 minutes, you are, you're psyching yourself out. You're losing the battle to the inner resistance, which is going to increase the closer you get to actually starting. So that moment right before hitting record is the moment of the highest inner resistance. And so before you start writing the novel, in, in his case, the article, before you do your school project, that is the hardest time that you will face the inner resistance before you start cooking the meal right before you do it it's the hardest time and even though this inner resistance talk it's not that terminology is not biblical 
But I think what it refers to in the grander sense of truth narratives is that of our sinful nature. So uh, I'll apply this to gender. Men and women are created by God with different natures. This is not a new thing. I've brought this up before. And the man, part of his nature, part of what God has called the man to do is to be a leader at least a leader of his own home, and then others like leaders of churches, others leaders of state. So there is at least that aspect where a man is made to be a leader of someone or something. And that means going to the front lines. That means being the first one to go. That means setting the tone for the direction of the family or in the discipline of the children or in the family devotions. The man is the one who takes responsibility of leadership in these tasks. And part of the curse of sin when Adam and Eve fell back in the gardens on the beginning of Genesis, but when humanity fell, the way that we were cursed is we were cursed in accordance with our nature. So we received a fallen nature that is in line with having us fall from what our original nature is. So for the man, if he is originally created to be a leader, then his sinful nature will primarily uh, sink him on this issue of stepping up, being a leader, and taking responsibility. So he will struggle mostly with being lazy with delegating the task of leadership to somebody else who's not supposed to have it. He will not take pick up the mantle and do the hard things. He'll let somebody else do it for him or just let everything fall into disrepair. His sinful nature, his inner resistance is in not taking leadership. And the woman, on the other hand, part of her created nature is that of being nurturing and providing an environment that is um, that is joyful and taken care of, where the the children are fed, the clothes the clothes are ready, the the home is warm, things are clean, all that type of stuff, and plus m many more. But she is a nurturer, and what she will struggle with then, as part of her curse, her sinful nature is that she will stop being nurturing and start tearing down instead. Rather than, be, than being a person of warmth and of joy and comfort, she becomes bitter, envious. She barks out. And so this is the thing that she will have to battle. And the way that this plays out in the marriage dance then is with the man who is supposed to be picking up a leadership role, he is going to be tempted mostly to renege on that responsibility. And the wife, who is, who by nature is supposed to be creating a nurturing environment and submitting to her husband, she will primarily struggle by trying to usurp him, to overtake his role, to be his master. And there's a whole, there's a million other ways that this plays out. Uh, that's, that's just on the grand scale. But that is the, this idea of inner resistance. If you have responsibilities, you have habits, you will face that resistance pretty much every single time before you get to them again. Anybody who goes to the gym, if you go to, say you go two times a week, every single person who goes to the gym is going to face that temptation of, 
you know, I don't really need to go. I'm still feeling all right. I'm tired. I, I had a long day at work. I don't need to go to the gym today. I'll just do more exercises the next time I go. And that's the inner resistance starting again. It, it comes to cleaning tasks in the house, doing the dishes. You have to make that decision every single day after dinner before whatever, whatever time it is that you are going to do the dishes, even if it's only a few of them. Because once, once you start letting a couple of days go, it's easier and easier just to keep letting it go. So that resistance is going to form every time you're supposed to do a hard thing. And again, I'm mostly talking about hard things in terms of responsibilities. It is hard to consistently do and be who you're supposed to be and do the things that you're supposed to do. So it is going to be hard for the father to daily, consistently, faithfully be the primary tone setter of discipline for his children and being the primary person of responsibility for raising them in the faith, teaching them God's word. He is going to have to every single day face that inner resistance and make the choice that he's going to do that, that he will tend to that responsibility. And it's the same thing with your employment. You know, we've all, we all know people who will regularly call in sick on Fridays, get an extra day on the weekend, and that is pure laziness and irresponsibility. So if you are somebody who wants to do hard things and take responsibility for your life, you don't take you don't just call in sick on Friday or skip school Friday because you just want you want it off because you want to do something else. That is a story right there in doing the easy thing, taking the easy way out. And this applies, like I said, to very many different aspects of life. But the easy thing will always be to not tend to your responsibilities. It's easier to not do the recording. It's easier to not read your Bible today. It's easier to not repent to your spouse for how you spoke to them earlier. It's easier to give, to not handle your responsibilities. Except it's... Over the long haul, it's not. So in the short term, it's easier to take a cheat day with your diet. But over the long haul, it's actually harder on you that you didn't stick to your goals, that you didn't handle your responsibilities. So uh, let's use a stock market example. We are the, the market's been trending down this year, and I continue to invest in the market. And I'm looking at the market from a very long-term perspective. So in 10 years, I have an advantage that a lot of people don't have, and that is time. Unless the Lord takes me early, I, I'm still quite young, and I have a whole lot of time to be able to have my money grow in the market. And I'm looking at the prices right now, and I can panic like everybody else and sell off everything and make and just take eat the losses. But... So the easy thing to do would be to be stop seeing all the red and just sell everything out and salvage what little is there or whatever. But I'm looking at the market in 2022 and I'm trying to put myself in my mind of 2032. 
In the year 2032, I will wish that I bought at 2022 prices. I will wish that prices are what they are now. It And so I continue to invest and try to make good decisions in what I'm investing in. The inner resistance will have me bail out. It's the same thing when it comes to growing intellectually. In so, so right now, it is easier for me not to read my scripture daily, and it's easier to not read the other books that I read. I read every single day. It is easier for me to, if I were, were just to skip reading today, skip reading tomorrow, skip the podcast, skip listening to things, skip the audio books, to give myself a cheat day or whatever. That's the easy thing to do. But over the long haul, that was it, it's harder to not have the intellectual growth that comes from these habits. So let's go to 2032 now. In 2032, I will wish that in 2022, I continued to read the Bible every day, that I continued to read the other books, fiction, nonfiction, news, podcasts, audiobooks, all these different things. I will wish that I was regularly engaged because if I am staying in these responsibilities, staying in these habits, I will be at a place of intellectual growth that is, first of all, far beyond what I am now, but not only that, far ahead of my peers. And you will be far ahead of your peers too. It is the minority of people who faithfully attend to their responsibilities, who faithfully and consistently seek growth in their life, who do the hard things. Most people will just do the easy thing will do the lazy thing. Most people won't set good habits. They'll continue to cheat on their diet to the point where they don't have a real diet. Every day is cheat day. They don't have any semblance of a literary life. They're not reading. They're not writing. They're not listening to to things that actually increase them mentally. Emotionally, they're a wreck. They don't take responsibilities for their emotions, but get can get triggered at an instant. Somebody says something mean, and they're, and they're in shambles. You don't have that inner sturdiness to you. It, it, so this applies in, in the different ways. It, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. Over the long haul, it is actually harder to not do those things, even if it's easier now. It's easier now not to read, but it's harder later when I never did it. And I look back and wish that I did. That's a harder place to be. It's a much harder place to look at your kid when they're... 17, 18, 19, and they want to do their own thing. They want to move out. They're they're moving on. You know, you get 18 summers with them until a lot of them move out. And so it's easier now to put off playing with your children, to put off reading a book to them, to put off doing family devotions with them. But when they're 18, 19, it'll be so much harder on you that you didn't do it. So much harder. And it's so valuable to keep that perspective in mind. Do the hard things now, and your life down the road, you will see that you did the far better thing, the far more beneficial thing. Giving into easy things, letting go of your responsibilities will give you, uh, will give you the satisfaction of easy reward. You know, that you got to... You got to eat the thing that you weren't supposed to eat, and you get that satisfaction of it. And over the long haul, you see that I'm in much worse shape that I did that, that I didn't keep my habits, I didn't keep my discipline. So talking about doing hard things, it essentially boils down, the hard thing is essentially the 
consistence and faithfulness in tending to your responsibilities. And so there's a duty aspect to it. But one of the coolest parts about duty and doing things, you know, because I'm supposed to do it, is that once you start, sometimes you have to do things dutifully and force yourself to do them. But after you start doing them for a while or you start getting into it, this relates to what I said earlier, you start having a more joyful heart in your duties. So all of the things that I have built into my life, my own systems of reading, visiting people, and um, even in terms of my work being in the ministry, like I, I have a lot more opportunities now where I'm speaking with people and trying to, you know, apply God's word to their situation, give hopefully godly advice where, where I can. And it can be a very, it's a very hard thing to do some of these things. And yet the more I dutifully tend to them, the more joyful my heart is in tending to them. So over the long term, doing hard things will bring you the satis- far greater and deeper satisfaction than you get when you cheat and do the easy thing and don't tend to your responsibilities. So the overall encouragement here is, of course, do hard things. Have the conversation that you haven't been having. Approach the friend who is in sin and needs to hear it. Repent to your spouse for your attitude or for what you did. Go to your children. Make something right if you went off the deep end. Do the hard things. Tend to your responsibilities. Don't be lazy in your work. Work as unto the Lord. Treat people with respect. You know, there's a whole lot of different things that go into it. Submit to your pastors. Um, That's another thing. And so these are hard things because you will face the inner resistance to not do them and to put them off, to push it on to somebody else. But the far deeper fulfillment comes from actually doing them long term. This is a long game uh, that we're doing with this. So that's the encouragement. Do hard things. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Be sure to check out the Augustine series. We'll talk to you next week. Go in the nations. Bye-bye. Oh,